Welcome to the Indie Writer Podcast, where we talk all things writing and indie publishing. Today, we're excited to be talking about comic books with author Jason Chestnut and illustrator Angela Guyton. Angela is a visual artist with a focus on drawing and video who currently works as a freelance videographer and video editor. She also picks up interesting projects on the side and has recently started collaborating with writers. She currently lives in the woods with her partner and three to eight dogs, which I'm going to have to follow up about that. When not working on computers to pay the bills, Jason Chestnut is a writer, musician, avid reader, and gamer. He is the writer behind the comic book Zero Town and lives in Asheville, North Carolina. Thank you both so much for joining today. How's everyone doing? We're doing great. Thanks for having us on. Of course. So let's just dive in. I would love to just know how the two of you decided to collaborate and work on this comic book Zero Town together. All right, because the way it plays out in my head is, well, Jason and I knew each other in Miami like 13 years ago. We used to occupy the same meat space. And then I moved away and he moved away and we had separate lives. You know, when I get like bitten by the bug that said uh, that would make me want to make comics or like something based on a narrative, I would send Jason an email and be like, Jason, I know you have something. Give me a script. Give me whatever you have. I just want to draw something based on narrative. I love and, that. Yeah. <laughs> I can get like, I, I just get these like wild ideas sometimes and I'll just write random people that I pull out of my past. And then one day Jason did that to me. He's like, Angie, do you want to work on this thing? I'm like, yes, I've been waiting for this day from you. <laughs> So he's like, he's like, cool, I have this script, let's work on it. And then from there, like, you know, we worked on it together and it kind of just, yeah, it made itself into this, uh, this comic book that we have here. That's, I mean, that's mostly the, the same for me. I think we tried to work on something before when we were both in Miami, but I don't think we were in the right place creatively or personally to, to work on it and really commit to it. And we did, we did talk over the years and it would be, we would just kind of throw ideas out at each other every once in a while and nothing really st- stuck until I had these two characters that I wanted to do something with and I didn't know what to do with them exactly and I written kind of a little demo script that I, I sent to Angie and, and uh, yeah just went it just like kind of snowballed from there I think that's really neat I love when there's just like people from your past and maybe it's not the right time for a collaboration but they always just kind of stick in your head and then you know that time comes and that's really neat so I was reading Zero Town earlier And I just have a digital copy because my friend Jason has owed me a paper copy since it came out. (laughs) Sounds like a terrible friend. I know. Seriously. Anyway, so through reading Zero Town, I was kind of wondering, I've, I've never written comics or done any kind of graphic novel work, what that initial back and forth process was like. Because obviously the text that ends up on the page is not necessarily like the story as you lay it out in your head because you probably work off the picture she sends back to you. So what does that jumping off point look like? Jason, do you write like a whole story arc and then give that to Angela or how did that work out? The first thing we did is I wanted to work out the characters and the depiction of the characters. So I wrote two versions of the same scene from both of the different characters' perspective as kind of an introduction of the characters so that uh, she could start designing them visually. And then I wrote a rough draft for the first issue. And 
I sent that to her. And then the thing is, you don't realize as a writer, a lot of things don't work as well visually as they do on, on a page. So you have to be kind of be constantly cognizant of that. It's funny. I just saw a thing on Twitter the other day. It was, it was a, a bunch of comic book artists and they were all like, show us the most boring thing you ever had to draw. And it was pretty funny, the stuff that they'd had to draw that was like really boring. I should probably share that with you, Angie, because it was hilarious. And so you have to keep things moving, but also kind of be in service to what looks good visually. A lot of things got cut and changed around. And it was just kind of a back and forth. And, and then she would send me notes. We did it all through Google Docs. She would send me notes. And I would change stuff. I would change dialogue. I'd completely cut stuff out because it was just like probably boring to draw and probably boring to look at too. And uh, yeah, I just kind of went back and forth. And I think at this point now we have a pretty much, we got the system down. It was, we kind of worked it out over the first issue, but I think now, I think the second issue went a lot faster as far as like working out what it was going to be. Okay. And so what is that? The second issue, where are you in that process? He has given me the script for it, which we like massaged and worked in this way that he just described. And so far I've penciled about, 10 of its pages. I have been sitting on those pages for a few months now because I had to finish a couple of other books, which have just come out or about to come out. So Zero Town is actually the first thing on my list after I get done with the wrapping up of these other couple projects that I have going. Okay. So yeah, your answer kind of leads me into the next question that I had for you. And that is, how does that look like from what does that look like on your end, Angela? Do like rough sketches of the whole story as you see it and then go back and fine tune that? Or do you work to kind of get a couple images exactly the way you both want it before moving forward? And I yeah, apologize if I get any of the comic book vernacular wrong as I'm talking about these things. <laughs> no, it's totally cool. As long as I know what you're talking about. And if not, I'll ask you to just clarify. But yeah, the way I like to do it, because I, I figured out this takes less decision-making bandwidth time, and I can just get right into it, is I'll thumbnail the whole thing first and really work everything out that way, and then do a rough, and then do the pencils and uh, get the pencils to where I like them, but not so intricate or complete as maybe some other artists I've seen uh, make their pencils, since I'm also the one inking it. I have the luxury or maybe risk of uh, being able to leave some things as suggestions that I get to finish in the inking stage. So my pencils are more like loose or outlines. If anybody wants to go on my Instagram and check those, I have like examples of like the kind of penciling I do. I don't really like lay in shadows or anything like that. I just like have a suggestion of where the shadow will go. And I don't like black in all the blacks or put X's like I just kind of work that out or discover it in the inking process. So that's that's how I like to work. Cool. And so how does the story change, Jason, as you start to see those images come back from Angela? I think the, the, thing, the main way it changes is in the characterization of the characters, because we had some really good ideas about the way they should look. And she has some really great ideas, visual ideas that you don't really think about when you're writing something. Just uh, visual identifiers that kind of told you a little bit more about the character's background. Like she had the idea to give Zoe scars and stuff that kind of signify kind of a rough background and uh, which was not my idea. That was, I hadn't even thought of that. And I, uh, and so as we kind of like go in these back and forth and we kind of, kind of iron the characters out, it does definitely influence the way I write their dialogue, the way I write their interactions. And 
I know we had a conversation where we wanted to, in, in issue two, we wanted to have more time with them talking to each other and less time with like throwing exposition at the reader. Okay. So, and just seeing the way that they were like visually designed, it, it gave me some really like funny ideas for like conversations they can have and how they could react to each other. So I, then I become like more aware of like when I'm like scripting out the, uh, the panels to say, she's giving this kind of look or he's looking like this or they're doing this. So yeah, it's a completely collaborative process and it's definitely influenced the way that I write them because I think I had a very different idea in my head of what they were character wise. And then as I start to get like visually what they look at, look like, and it kind of matches the kind of absurdity of the comic because it's a really absurd uh, premise. I think, I think it kind of pushes how ridiculous a lot of the things I write are. (laughs) <laughs> about a controlled chaos. I-, I can give an example here, actually, to make that maybe a little more concrete. There's um, a part in the second the second book where she ends up wearing borrowing her brother's clothes, so they they look pretty similar. And uh, we realized <laughs> because this was a change that had happened, and and Jason realized he's like, oh my god, this is a moment that I can like mine for like humorous effect. So it'll be a moment where she kind of makes fun of his internal monologue because that's what happens in noir comics so she starts mm-hmm. internal monologuing and it's just really funny because it's done like tongue-in-cheek and you know it's yeah yeah that was like totally born out of the idea that you uh, that angie had like suggested that she should be wearing his clothes because she was like all drenched in, in the rain and everything and then I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if she just starts making fun of him, you know, and just starts pretending <laughs> like him and stuff? So that's a perfect example of like the way that works between us. So. And I did notice some of your humor shining through in the comic, and, and that was really enjoyable to have in the story, because I think that's a great part of your personality. And so, Jason, you have kind of a background writing novels as well. So what was that transition like for you? It's, uh, it's a lot less work. It, it's... <laughs> It's definitely a lot less work. It's kind of very freeing where I can, I could, uh, just kind of describe things and kind of just, cause I love writing dialogue. I think the last time I was, that we talked on podcasts, we talked about dialogue and I love that. So like in a comic book, I get to like focus on that. Cause sometimes in, in when I'm writing a novel, I just have like pages of dialogue and I'm like, I can't have it. There's just like 10 pages of people talking. <laughs> so, but in a comic book, that's, that's great. Especially if it's all like witty banter and not just exposition. And I found kind of really fun ways to like give the exposition in the comic, you know, and take advantage of the fact that you're working with an artist and you can like do these like visually fun ways to show exposition without like having somebody just like blurt it out. I'm working on issue three now and I have a, uh, I have a scene where, where which I haven't shown this to Angie yet, so it's super fun. I have Tommy and Zoe leaving uh, his apartment, and they mention something about what they have to do to solve the crime. And his landlord's right there, and she's like, what are you guys talking about? And then she just blurts out the whole thing, exposition-wise, and she just uh, thinks they're drug addicts and leaves them alone. And Tommy says, God, I hate it when you scare people away with exposition. And I just like the <laughs> like kind that. of stuff like yeah. that. I just Perfect. love being able to oh do my that. God. Yeah. yeah. So, and a writer reading that will get a little extra kick yeah. out of it too. Just fun. So, <laughs> so like you can't really do stuff like that in a novel, you know, I mean, you could, but there's so many fun things you could do with the, with the visuals and like the short form of it. And I might really, I feel like my forte is like short stories. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like that. I could focus on each issue as a short story. And then the overall story, 
it's just six parts. And I, and I also really like that because I feel like I would never be able to write like a screenplay for a movie, but I would love to write like a TV series. Like I could write right. an episode. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. So how did you land on a six part series? Did you have that kind of overarching path for the characters in your head the whole time? Or have you figured that out as you've worked on each, each uh, little episode? I think we always meant it to be kind of not too long because then this kind of comic, you want there to be enough room for mystery and and leave it open for other things to go on. But I think if you make it longer than that, because, and Angie and I had had this discussion about how like comic books go on for too long, you know, Mm. everything that never really ends. And part of the inspiration for the story is is the kind of cyclical nature of, of stories and that stories just kind of go on and on. So, just for the sake of like not giving her too much work to do and also keeping us focused, I thought that was a, a good number. I think it was higher at first and we kind of like whittled it down. I don't know, Angie, you probably have a different perspective on that. No, I think you described it well. But what I also like about it, limiting it to six, is I'm a real big fan of the short story form. And uh, you know what? Maybe uh, you won't mind me sharing this, but Jay wrote me. He's like, you know what? When I was younger, I read these series that just went on forever and ever, and uh, it would really like distress me when things would end. It's like you mean this like show doesn't won't continue into infinity, and like that's such a strange perspective to have. I you know for me a story begins and ends, and if it continues on, it's almost like I wonder if it's not like too watered down or the themes change or right. it changes into a completely different type of story. You know, it's um like a slippery fish or something. I don't know. I like the self-contained mm-hmm. story thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think there's always a risk of you wearing out your welcome. Like, I love comic books. I love superhero comic books, but like Spider-Man's been around for like 40, 50 years now. Like, I look at a lot of those comics and I still love them, but I'm like, and then I look at some of the ridiculous stories that come up and I'm like, they're just running out of ideas. And, right. uh, and I, I never wanted to be stuck in, I mean, we've talked about doing other volumes of Zero Town and like completely exploring different things, but like there was always going to be an end, a definitive ending to the story because I really feel that that's important. I really feel that it's really important that a story should have a beginning and middle and And mm-hmm. like endings are really important, but the whole time travel element in the story kind of plays in the whole idea that that stories kind of go on forever because they're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. So we kind of like, there's a lot of things in the story that are built into kind of as a commentary on comic book stories and, and stories in general. But yeah, there's definitely like a, a risk of like wearing out your welcome and like running out of things, meaningful things to say. And I, I, I don't want to get stuck in that trap. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My head is kind of going to some series where they'll, you'll kind of get like a sense of closure. And then just to keep the series going, they kind of blow up all of that closure just to, to extend it. And I think that can kind of damage your, the trust the readers have in you in some ways. Okay, I don't want to read too far ahead. So for instance, I've told Jay, I only want to focus on the script for one issue at a time. So if I'm working on that one, I want blinders on. So the reason I haven't seen the script for the third one is I'm working on the second one. And this does a couple of things. One, it it keeps it really, really interesting for me. So I'm surprised by the things that happen in the story. And I kind of get to discover it as a reader. And I can translate that excitement into, well, into the things I draw. So I'm discovering the story along, you know, well, with the reader kind of. So yeah, just thought I'd interject that. So were there any moments 
you know, during this process, I know that as creative people, we can kind of get our heads like, you know, into exactly how we want something to be. Did you ever butt heads or have creative differences that you kind of had to work your way through? Not really. I'm really good at compromising with that kind of stuff. Remember the Maxine scene in the first, was it wasn't in the first or second issue. Well, tell us about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's a scene originally wrote into the second issue, I think. And uh, uh, Zoe walks up to a bar, up to the bartender and, and Tommy introduces her to the bartender and she says, or I think she just goes up by herself. I don't remember. It's been like rewritten. It's not, it's not even in the <laughs> final thing anymore. I think Angie had made this a suggestion because I, I gave her the name Zoe and she's like, couldn't she have something more of a different name like Maxine or something like it could be, like, I remember, I forget what exactly you said, but something more <laughs> overly normal. And I said, okay. And so I wrote the scene where I didn't say, no, let's not do that. But I wrote a scene where she walks up to this bartender and she introduces herself to the bartender. And the bartender's like, you look more like a Maxine, which I just thought was a hilarious like, <laughs> reference to that, that suggestion in my way of saying, no, I like the name she has already so but i think that was that's like the funny. extent of us ever disagreeing on anything really right and that's a playful disagreement so that's good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so angela I would, I would love to hear just more about how you you know became interested in comic book illustration is that kind of something you've always wanted to do or did you start with other other modes of illustration before you ended up there well i'm a visual artist and comics and the drawings in comics are just one of the things that I really gravitated to and gravitate to now. Just the look of it, the black and white contrast of the ink and just like the narrative storytelling aspect of it to the sequential art aspect of it, which makes it different and unique from other types of art that I'm interested in, like abstract expressionism, even music videos are a kind of a different language. So this is just like one other thing to get into. And yeah, the way I got into it was just visually. That was my my doorway into it. And then one day I sat down with a comic. I don't even remember why I had this, but I sat down with just recently Archie versus Predator 2. And mm -hmm. uh, I just like, it was just so much fun. And it played around in a kind of like meta way with the with the characters. And I'm like, this is this is absolutely amazing. And I was kind of like, in that moment, all in on comics, I now have a comic library, which I didn't have before when I was just like somewhat interested in the visual. So I've gotten more into like comics as a whole instead of just the comic like language um, that they're mm -hmm. drawn in. So, yeah. Well, this is a great lead into another question, which is for both of you, Jason, are there any comic book writers that have kind of shaped your style? And then Angela, are there any illustrators that you kind of model your style after or have just gotten some inspiration from? I don't know. I mean, it, it's different, different people, the way they write certain things. It's not really influenced my style, but I've kind of learned a lot from like going back to like Frank Miller and Alan Moore. Uh, who did a Watchman, and um, he has a very, very deep introspective style. It's kind of a crazy wizard, also, which is interesting. Modern writers, I really like the the guy Scott Snyder who wrote a lot of the newer Batman comics. Yeah, but there's there's uh, Grant Morrison's great. There's uh, Warren Ellis is really good. But I also like I also draw a lot of inspiration from all kinds of writers for the way that I write stuff. But looking at comic books, I looked at a lot of older ones for the for a lot of like stylistic choices. Looked a lot of, at Watchmen 
and Alan Moore's style of writing, a lot of the Frank Miller stuff. But those guys are not as funny as I am, so I try to <laughs> put the humor part into it. So it's modest. Yeah, I'm I'm very modest, and uh, yeah, I kind of take a little bit from here and there. From and I go, oh, that's a really cool idea, because that's the other thing when you're looking at the way comic books are written. They're always written, or they should be written in service to the to the artwork. So mm-hmm. then I look a lot of at not just dialogue, but just the way scenes are, I guess, composed and choreographed and stuff, which has also kind of been a learning process. This whole thing for for me because there have been right. times where I've written like blocks of stuff, and I'm like. That's not interesting visually. So okay. yeah, I would say those would be some of the people. And for me, as far as like the influences or the people that I've learned a lot from, the first person that comes to mind, although it might not be apparent in the work I do, is Jim Lee. And that's specifically because he has like hours upon hours upon hours of videos of him drawing on YouTube. So like the way I got through zero town and just doing other things in general like other types of illustration or other kinds of paintings i'll put jim lee on and just watch him draw and then speak about the way he draws so i learned quite a bit there but he tends to do things like more cleanly he he seems to be able to put down a line erase it and then put down a second line either in exactly the same way as the first line or in a different way but exactly the way he wants it okay it doesn't seem difficult but it's more difficult than one would think it's like precision Jim Lee is precise. And Mm -hmm. uh, another artist that I would love to be more like actually visually and in everything. Even the way he treats the variety of depictions of characters within an issue or from panel to panel and the textures is Sam Keith. I think his use of lighting, texture, his ink work, his proportions... It's just like, he's so incredibly creative in the forms he creates and the liberties he takes with, with, like I said, the proportions is really like inspiring. One of the things I want to do was not have explore like how different I can make the character while still making it the same character. Because if I draw something in the same way, it kind of gets really boring and I don't want to have like too polished a style. Once again, I like Sam Keith. So, you know, this is a thing I'm interested in. So he is one of these for me. Another person that... Maybe it's not so evident here again, but uh, Jim Woodring, who has more of a psychedelic drawing style and does more like cartoony things, more like 60s Robert Crumb influenced type of things. Yeah, I'm very interested in that. He has a much cleaner look with clean ink work and, and like the feathering is like just so. But he's another one I, I look a lot at. Okay. This kind of got me thinking. So obviously you guys have your book in a digital format. Angela, is there any digital work that goes into like digitizing your art when you're done or is it all just kind of scanned as a finished piece? Yeah, that's a really good question. The way I created it, because I only have uh, an A4 scanner and to be able to scan things as I want is I actually cut up the pages. I draw them in the proportion, you know, in A3 sizing. These are European sizings, just uh, what you think of as a as an overlarged standard comic book board. So A3. Okay. And, uh, and then I cut, and then I cut the panels and then I scan the panels. So digitally, I have to reassemble all those panels digitally. On top of that, I do sometimes go back and clean up lines with digital tools. Like, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what I use, but I'll go back in and fix one or two things. I won't do too much rendering or even drawing in that digital stage 
Okay. Primarily because I am not I'm not as good as I am traditionally in that and it it kind of ruins it for me if I if I mess up or can't do it as well. And then the other part of uh the other digital aspect is then I go in of course and do the uh the text. So, yeah, that's all. That's not done okay. by hand. That would take a you know, a very skilled and different kind of person than than I am. We need a handwriting expert, uh, a litter. But yeah, well, I just do that digitally as well. Okay. Interesting. So one thing I was also thinking was, Jason, are there times where you've had text kind of in your mind for that image, but then I guess the scene is expressed, you know, the illustration in a way that you weren't expecting. And so you then kind of change the text? Oh, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I think that uh, the way that we work and we, I'll get something back. And she'll give me an idea, and then I'll say, yeah, I don't need to really have this line in there because you're showing it. <laughs> so, okay. unless it's funny, unless there's a way that I could make saying something like that hilarious. Otherwise, no. No, I mean, and, I, and of course, I'm kidding about being funnier than other people. But but it's, yeah, there have been times definitely where something works visually. Like, we came out with this, there's this really dynamic scene in the second one where Zoe is kind of explaining the rules of time travel. And just the stuff that she had shown me that came up just looks so much cooler than I imagined. And I was just like, okay. yeah, I can kind of whittle this down a little bit and not really have to like be ex- as explicit because like visually you're getting all the information. And that's just like right. one of the things I was saying earlier. Like you, you have to write in service of the art and understand that the art's going to be telling more of the story. I'm really just kind of supplying the overall framework and the things that the people say, but the 90% of if not all of the storytelling is visual. I, I don't know. I'm imagining working on the illustration side of things. Are there are there ever times where you have felt like a line might work better with your picture than the one that was written where you've kind of been able to, to give each other writing feedback as well? Or are you both able to kind of separate yourselves in those perspective roles? Oh my gosh. I have to separate myself, but only because I know uh, that I am not a writer. I wish I was one, but... Uh, <laughs> I completely leave all of that up to up to Jason. Now, the only places where I will be like, you know, make suggestions is in a very crude way, a very uh, yeah. I'll just be like, Jason, make this funny, and then <laughs> like that's my <laughs> suggestion. Yeah. And then he'll be like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. And he'll come back and he'll have kind of sounds like the comments writers leave to themselves. And it'll have. <laughs> It's great. It's great working with Jason. I can say something like that. It's all the best parts of being a writer without having to do any of the work. I can just like suggest and like, you know, throw out into the ether. <laughs> Make this a funny part. And then it happens. It's so nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm she, sure he feels yeah. the same way about your images. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like she'll say, <laughs> can't, the, so. can't she say something like this? Not this, but something like this. And then I'll have to come up with something. But yeah, mm. definitely like I will go back and say... I think because there is a big scene coming up in the story where there's a hurricane hitting, and I was like, I was like, you don't have to draw the whole. I know, I know that's really like a lot to draw a whole hurricane. She was like, no, I'm gonna draw the hurricane, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so there's stuff like that, you know, where where I, I was just like, yeah, they could just be inside and like stuff could be rad. But she's like, no, it'd be <laughs> right. fun to draw the hurricane. I'm gonna draw the hurricane. So. Actually, the idea, and we haven't gone this far ahead, it might totally change, but the initial idea here, mm-hmm. or the way I think of it is, since there is a hurricane, I'm like, okay, so there's going to be a whole issue, and it's going to be wordless, of which still requires a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. It'll be wordless, and we're just <laughs> going to show, we're going to show the destruction of this hurricane as it happened 
in Miami at this time, and we're going to show all the stores and all the boats and everything that got upended and all the destruction. So I think that would be a really, not just an interesting exercise, I think it'd be great visually. And I think it's like unexpected for a comic book as well. It's just like an issue of, of nature destro- destroying a city because it's, it was mm-hmm. a moment in history. I think it's important. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. With that. It might evolve. Yeah. So another thing that kind of stood out to me as I was looking through the comic book was that some images warrant a full page spread. And so how do you kind of decide that in the process of, is it just based on, oh my gosh, I love this, let's blow it up and make it, <laughs> make it the biggest one because it's so visually striking? Or do you plot out exactly how the page spread is going to work beforehand? Those kind of decisions are up to her because I I will put in and give suggestions on how I think the panel should be arranged or how big they should be, but that's ultimately up to Angie. Like she, there's a whole there's a whole page in the first issue with just an alligator, which I think is awesome. That was not my yeah, idea. no, I loved that. That was that's one of the ones that was that in was my head. Like, <laughs> that was just like a cool little like flavor thing in there. So yeah, that's totally up to her. I just I give a lot of suggestions because I'll think of things very cinematically in my head which doesn't always work when you're writing actually writing it out or drawing it. And, uh, but ultimately that's up to Angie because it should be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I can't draw like she can. So, yeah. That's a couple of things. One, I really appreciate the way you think about things, as you said, cinematically. So you have like that visual mind where you're leading us through a story. You've, mm-hmm. you've kind of um, focused on a couple of things that just didn't work visually, but most of the time, like 99% of the time, you think these through, I can tell you're like playing out a movie in your head. And I think one of the reasons that we decided like the paneling and the layout would be up to me is that I wanted to keep it interesting for myself. If I have an idea, it's so fragile that if I have someone else's idea at the same time trying to like compete for real estate or attention, it's like it almost like I don't know, not destroys the first idea, but it's, it becomes more, uh, more effort to try to think of something okay. good. So I like to, to visualize something and it's, it's a little wispy thing. And then I, I want to get it down quickly. And it's like, you know, in the sketch stage, I might not even know what I'm, what I'm drawing, but it, it's like a suggestion of a thing. And then the panel layouts kind of come out of that. So the way I build a page, I really felt like I had to find a way to build a page that worked with this kind of like fragile visualization that I have. So I'm I'm really glad that it's a way of working that seems to work for both of us. Yeah. And and that's it. And if I see a full page spread in my head, I'll just draw it out. It'll be a fun page. You know, I have that fun page. Okay. I have that alligator where I just wanted to put like detail or something. Yeah. It's whatever presents itself to me. In that and like state. issue three, the script has got like it's I because we talked about just doing like a six page a six panel thing per page, but that could be completely blown out by the time it gets to her and when we start doing our back and forth. Uh, so that's just like a basic guideline we went. It was just an idea, and yeah, it was okay for me because yeah. it helped me kind of keep things organized. But again, that could just be blown to hell by the time we get to the actual like <laughs> you know back and forth. Yeah. So are there like industry standards for like the number of pages that go into a comic book? I'm sure there's a variety, but I know that with some things like children's book, it's like it needs to either be this many or this many, just like based on the ease of printing. I think it's like less than 30. It's got to be 20 something. I've always tried to shoot for less than 30. Okay. But it doesn't need to be like exactly 
16 or exactly 18 you know it doesn't mean uh, to no i don't think so i don't think so like i think the i think the average of like comic book is like 22 pages so i've tried to shoot for okay. like the first issues a little longer i the second one might be about the same length because there's a lot of there's more exposition in the second one but yeah i've tried to shoot for like 25 30 pages okay at most yeah I love that he answered that from a writer's perspective. Um, <laughs> I have been dealing with printing companies. So like one of the things that you can do, well, is that unless you want to leave blank pages or pages that are filler, they have to be divisible by either four if you go to oh, that's a certain kind of, time before, yeah. or divisible by eight if you use this one company in the United States that will print on newsprint. They'll print 500, but it's like that old school newsprint style. And you need an appointment, but they they require eight. So yeah, like I said, you can have these these empty pages. Another thing is he said okay. he's limited to maybe thirty pages, and I really appreciate that. I think that's really awesome. I always explode it to way more. Like this next <laughs> issue, I think I have up to like forty pages. Yeah. But I'm, oh wow, know, I I'm okay with that. I want to put all this visual information in, you know. So yeah, right. It can change. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It could. I'm totally expecting those. This even though this one I'm writing now. I'm almost done with it, and I think it's only like 10 pages, and it's so probably okay. like 30 something in the end. It's neat that you have some flexibility there. Yeah, in my head, I was just kind of thinking, like in the children's book market, where kind of like what Angela was saying, it was like, if it doesn't have one of these exact numbers, then you're paying to, to have these blank pages in your oh, book, sure. just because of the way the paper comes together. Awesome. So... This question, I know there's kind of two main characters. It's Tommy and Zoe, right? Are the, the main characters. Do either of you have a favorite and why? I don't have a favorite yet. I've gotten into aspects of both of them. And I know that's like maybe a non-committal answer. But I feel like I haven't really explored Zoe <laughs> enough yet to know what she's like. Whereas I feel like I, I understand the other character a bit more. His mannerisms, you know, like I just feel like I can see him a bit more clearly, where Zoe's still like a bit brutish for me and a bit crude, just in my conceptualization. Now, it's it's because the images that I drew have her being brutish and crude and kind of like mm -hmm. just busting in, you know? So I haven't really explored her yet. That's why. I think for me, it's probably, it is probably Zoe, but Zoe's more like, Tommy's very like, there isn't a whole lot of mystery to Tommy. Like he pretty much is who he is. I think Zoe's a little more more a little bit more of a comp more complex character and there's a little bit in the issue i'm writing now that opens up a little bit more about her and who she is but yeah it's hard to pick a favorite because i just love writing tommy because he's completely clueless about like normal everyday things but he's like really got a brilliant like analytical mind but he's like kind of kind of like myself in a lot of ways mm. where he's just socially awkward so i kind of pull a lot from myself when i'm writing him zoe's a little bit right. more there's a little bit more meat to her, but it takes a little bit longer to get there. So, Okay. Well, I feel like that's a very typical thing to do, is to put at least pieces of yourself in your main characters. Yeah, I don't sure. think writers can really avoid that. So I'd love to just hear about, well, obviously you have a few more issues of this in the, in the hopper. Do you have any other plans for future collaboration? We were working together on the cover of one of Jason's books that should be coming out whenever he releases it. I hope soon, because I want to see yes. that out. No, I'm just saying that okay. there, eventually we will do more Zero Town. I just, we just want to get through these six, and then I think we're probably going to both work on other stuff in the meantime. And, but yeah, eventually we do want to like, do more of it and eventually finish it like as a good story. It would be following them, 
and their and the completion of their story. Although I think we did talk a little bit about like what if there are other people out there doing this, but I think it would mostly just be about them. Awesome. Well, is there any advice that either of you would offer to our indie listeners uh, who may be interested in collaborating? On a comic book or a graphic novel? Yeah, I'd like to answer that actually, because I think this has been a really successful collaboration. And it's just basically find someone that can meet your energy and vibe level. Like, make sure you can vibe properly. <laughs> like, we've sent things back and forth. And as we've discussed in this podcast and our way of working, it's just been, been very like chill. And we have like the same sense of humor and find the same kind of kinds of things funny. And, uh, you know, we both work on things or are interested in things both outside of comics and in comics. So we, we can kind of like vibe on different levels. I don't know. That's, that's the most important thing. Like we were friends. I think that's also maybe an important part of it, you know, because it should be enjoyable. I think that's a big takeaway. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I could do this if it was like a drudge. Yeah. No, I enjoy drawing these. Make, make sure right. you enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's a. I completely agree with all that. I think it's, it's finding the right uh, collaborator. Unless you can write and draw yourself, then good for you. But, but <laughs> yeah, seriously, good, lucky you. But I think it's important for you to find somebody that you really vibe well with and that you can collaborate with. I'm not sure. Like, I'm totally open to working with other artists and other other projects, but I'm a little worried about how that's going to be because. When it becomes like a business transaction between me and somebody else. I mean, I guess it's one of those concerns you have to be when you get into this industry because or you try to break into this industry is is finding the right person to work with or the right people to work with. And, and in most cases, you're not going to be like Angie and I where we've been friends for 20 years and you already have that built in rapport. So I think it becomes even more important to find somebody that you have, have at the very base level have chemistry of built in. And then all the business stuff, I'm sure, just becomes easy after that. But it's that, that mm -hmm. is really the most important thing. Well, why don't you guys each take a minute and just tell our listeners about what you're working on next and how they can keep up with you? I've actually just released a book called Saltine's Book of Parables. And it's available now via my webpage at AngelaGuyton.com. Or if you follow my Instagram, which is at Angie Astronaut. I post things on there. While this is the most recent thing, I'm also working on kind of more like a comic strip form with another friend of mine, Ramsey Janini. And that strip is called Nothing Rhymes With Rats. That's also on Instagram as nrwr underscore comic. That's about two like kind of like existential lab rats that escaped, that are exploring the world. It's kind of weird and philosophical, but that's something else to look into. And I'm releasing that book later on this summer. And I'm also releasing a collaborative work based on a musical composition by a, a composer and piano duo out of England. That doesn't have a title yet, but that should be out in June as well. And all this is going to go up on my webpage and I will Instagram and tweet about it. So that's where you find <laughs> out about all that stuff. Great. How about you, Jason? I, other than Zero Town, I wrote a novel called To Live and Die in Avalon, which is uh, I'm revising right now. Angie uh, created the latest and what I think the best cover for it. So that will be finished eventually. It's funny when you have all this time, free time in a pandemic, you think you get more writing done, but <laughs> now I have a, I have a short story coming up. That's in the Gestalt media anthology. Best of uh, 2020, I think is coming out. 
You can also find another short story of mine in the first writing block anthology, Escape. And my website is jasonchestnut.com. I'm going to start putting short stories up there that I've been writing because I'm working on an anthology of short stories that are all kind of interconnected. And uh, my Twitter, where I say lots of very deep and philosophical, but mostly silly, <laughs> stupid things, is at Atomic Wonder, Atomic Boy Wonder at Twitter. Awesome. Well, I, we will put links to everything mentioned in our show notes so that it's easy for our listeners to find you and keep up with you. And just thank you both so much for joining today. This was a really fun episode. I learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. This has been really awesome. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to the Indie Writer Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will subscribe to hear our future episodes. We want to thank the Writing Block community for the continued support. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook or at writingblock.com. No K. Remember to subscribe, share, and tell your friends. Thanks, everyone, and happy writing. 